Welcome to Click, Treat, Repeat. This is a horse-focused podcast discussing positive reinforcement training, equine management and welfare, and other horse-related topics. So let's get started. In this study, I guess to maybe provide a little bit more information about the questions that you brought up, they don't have like specific information about what bits were being used, but they did say that horses in either thin or thick bits actually had a higher risk of moderate or severe lesions, whereas horses in middle-sized bits had less of a risk of that. And the ones that they saw that were middle-sized tended to be double-jointed, and the ones that were thicker tended to be straight bar bits. Another interesting thing is that actually mares tended to have a higher percentage of these lesions than geldings, like significantly enough that they were kind of asking, why do mares have more? And they kind of decided based on the literature that they reviewed and the data that they had that they did think it was affected by sex-based stereotypes. Like, you know, mares are moody and bad, so we have to have a harsher bit on them or things like that. So that's really interesting as well, kind of going back. And then, you know, I don't want to just like put all this information out there because it's a lot, but it's just so interesting and so important to know. Horses were also at a higher risk than ponies, which is interesting. There was also previous to this study, another study that looked at finished trotters in like a flat race and they found that 84% of those horses had lesions. So actually isn't, you know, just jumping or something like that. It can actually be a lot of different sports that are rough on the horse and are pretty extreme. I think jumping is inherently pretty stressful on the horse's body. I think it can be done well for sure, but that's a lot on their joints. And also I feel like people probably are more likely to use harsher equipment because getting a horse to do something unnatural like jumping is complicated. But also I'm sure all the same things happen in every other sport that's out there with horses. Yeah, I mean, if you look at some Western sports like barrel racing, I'm sure there's all sorts of things with that. I bet they have a lot of issues with spurs and a lot of issues with bits. And, you know, that's those are some pretty sharp turns, which obviously that's, you know, horses can do a sharp turn like that if they're trained well and managed well and they're not, you know, constantly having to do those turns because that is going to have an impact on their health if they're constantly making sharp turns. But yeah, I'm sure in all sorts of disciplines, you see that. Realistically, every discipline's unnatural to a horse. So I'm sure there's some stress on the body and everywhere that you would take a horse. Yeah. I mean, I can barely get my horse to trot. So literally <laughs> <laughs> getting them to jump like multiple feet high jumps or something like that. I mean, it's very amazing that they can do it. I just would love to see horses that were being taught to do that with less forceful methods. And, you know, I do sometimes wonder, like, could horses do these things with less forceful methods? And to be honest with you, I think my answer leans towards no. I don't necessarily think horses would be willing to jump a crazy cross-country course for, you know, all the treats in the world. I think there's some things that horses just don't really want to do and they're not going to do unless you force them. And I'm I'm not going to say that definitively because there may be some horse out there that just really loves jumping, really loves cross-country and would really do that. But I know that my horses wouldn't do a course like that really for, you know, any type of reward that I could give them. Now they might do cross-country in terms of like some smaller jumps that are a little bit less dangerous and a little bit less scary to them and you know a little bit less probably taking up their energy so I'm sure some horses would do it but I do think that in terms of 
force free, we're probably going to have to relook at competitions. I don't think we can just keep competitions the same way that they are and expect the horses to do them willingly because a lot of what we're asking them to do is just not something they would naturally want to do. I think we'd have to drop our expectations a lot <laughs> to get horses to do these things force free. It wouldn't be like Olympic level. It wouldn't even be, like you couldn't even use any competition organization. Yeah. None of the organizations would be willing to drop anything low enough to do it force free, I don't think. There is one barrel racer that I follow on Instagram who does balance training. Technically, she uses negative reinforcement too, but her focus is on positive reinforcement. And her name is TJ Horsemanship on Instagram, but I don't know to what extent she uses each quadrant. I don't really know much of her actual training and how it goes down, but it's super cool to see someone openly using positive reinforcement on horses that they're competing. Yeah, that is really cool. And I think you know, like we talked about last time, the online shows and positive reinforcement shows are a really cool way of doing that and, and being able to do a competition in a more ethical way. And I think we also do see like some even really upper level riders and kind of blanking on the name of the one big rider who has been using positive reinforcement in like very small ways, just kind of like to teach small behaviors and increase the welfare of the horse by offering you know, a more ethical, less forceful type of training. And so she still uses like traditional training, but she does small things. It might be BZ Madden. I'm going to have to look that up and, you know, make sure that's who it is. But I think it might be her. I was thinking of Georgia Bruce. Oh, could be her. It could be both of them. That'd be <laughs> cool. I think it's kind of becoming slightly more common to do positive reinforcement, at least, you know, for fun, even if not for actual training. Yeah, there are quite a few more well-known trainers out there that at least incorporate positive reinforcement. And it's really cool to see that change happening. Maybe one thing we should talk about here is kind of like, I feel like it's kind of the elephant in the room, like horse racing, because it's very popular and it's very known as possibly being problematic and possibly being unethical. And I think it's something that a lot of people in the horse world don't really like just your average everyday horse person doesn't really like know that much about or kind of like align themselves with because it is more of like something you see on TV than something that, you know, most random people are doing. Obviously there are people who work in that industry that are in the horse world, but um, I think that's definitely a big topic, especially with like the death of Medina spirit recently and things like that that are kind of showing potential unethical things with racing. Yeah, I avoid looking into racing, honestly, <laughs> for my own well-being, but I did watch a race one time with a family member, and that was the only time because it was too much for me, and it wasn't even like there was no bloody mouths, no one died in that race, but I just couldn't see them being hit constantly, and major pain face that was obvious to me even then when I wasn't as knowledgeable as I am now and there's just a lot to unpack there. I agree completely and I don't really watch it much either. Uh, I can't even really remember the last time that I've watched it. I'm sure I have watched it but I think a big thing with it is that if you really want a horse to run as fast as they possibly can you're you know more than likely going to have to get them into that flight response and so having a competition that relies on the horse being in that flight response is in my opinion really hard to make ethical because 
the flight response is obviously a very stressful state for the animal to be in and they're very high over threshold at that point. And I just don't think you can get that level of speed without them being in that response. You know, if you have a very comfortable, happy, content horse, I don't think they're going to be running at the same speed as they are if they're scared out of their mind and they just are fleeing from being hit or whatever. So, you know, maybe there are experts out there who would disagree with me, but that's just kind of how I see it. And because of that, I don't see it as necessarily having a high probability of being ethical the way it is done now. And I think, you know, something that's based on time and speed and things like that in general is really hard to make ethical, whether that be racing or barrel racing or, you know, show jumping, anything that's just kind of based on how fast the horse can do it. That makes it pretty hard for it to be ethical because they can pretty much, you know, unless they're doing something really bad, that's going to get them disqualified. They can pretty much do whatever and just get that time. So I think that's a big issue with it. Yeah, I can't imagine getting a horse to gallop willingly without being in a flight response. Maybe my horses are just really lazy, but they <laughs> very, very rarely go faster than a trot. I've seen them gallop maybe three times since I moved with them. So <laughs> I think it'd be really hard to use positive reinforcement to get a horse that can do any type of speed event without using any force at all. I, I'm kind of on the same page. I don't, I'm kind of leaning towards, I think it might not be possible. I'd love if somebody, you know, proved us wrong and was able to accomplish something like that with positive reinforcement, but I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing not to, because, you know, for me, like going really fast and racing isn't really like the point of horses to me. And so for me, I'm just kind of like, I don't really mind, but I know obviously in terms of like the whole industry of horses it is kind of a pretty big deal if horses can't compete the way that you know we you know we as in society not we as in us personally but you know society wants them to compete so um i think that's going to be a lot of people's hang up to adopting positive reinforcement is that they want the horses to be able to compete in the same way that they are and so i do he i do see a lot of people in the positive reinforcement community saying that they do think horses can compete at the same level with positive reinforcement. And like, I, I unfortunately just don't see that being true. I think it would be really cool if it was, but I also think, you know, there's things that should be a higher priority than being able to do that. So if they can't, then I think, you know, we still need to try to move towards force free, even if that's going to limit the ability to do the competitions that we currently have. I agree with that completely. And there's so much more to horses than riding. There's way more than competition. That's for sure. And another element of racing, especially and all types of horse training, but I know it's commonly done in racing is starting them so young. I mean, you know, starting them right when they're two, possibly even before they're two, you know, having them compete at such a high level. And obviously we do see a pretty high rate of injury and of illness in these horses that are started so young. I mean, I was looking at stats earlier and since the year 2000, Bob Baffert has had 74 horses die in his care. And these aren't, you know, old retired horses that are dying because they are old or they have a pre-existing condition or whatever. These are like, you know, the top healthy young race horses that are, you know, based on everything should look like they're going to live for the next 20 plus years and yet 74 of them have died and I think that comes to about eight out of a thousand which is low because he has a lot of horses in his care eight out of a thousand 
you know, if you put that into a percentage, it's going to be pretty low, but that's still, you know, 74 horses, eight out of a thousand horses that otherwise probably wouldn't have died. And so that's pretty serious, I think. Yeah, that's insane. That's way too high of a number. I don't know why riding at such a young age is so common too. Like there's so many benefits to just waiting them out until their bodies are actually fully grown and mature. Like Phoenix right now yeah. is five and I was planning to get on him when he was five, but I'm actually waiting now, partially just from lack of training because I've been so busy with moving and everything, but also just because he's not full grown yet. I don't mind waiting another year. And I think that mindset should be more common. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, I don't exactly know why they start so early. Maybe just sort of impatience, like, oh, we got to get this horse going because this is going to be the next star and this is the earliest they can start. So we're going to go ahead and do this. I guess maybe that's why. I don't know if maybe they actually run faster at that age. I would think they wouldn't since they you know, aren't fully developed, but I don't have any data on that. So I could be wrong. That's just kind of my guess, but it's definitely, I don't really understand that myself. I feel like it's honestly mostly just profitability because it does cost a lot to keep a horse. You want to get them showing and earning money as soon as possible or breeding whatever the horse's route is, but it's unfortunate that's that's how it is. Yeah, I'm sure that's why. That's crazy. I just, I, Somebody that I actually really respect um, recently was talking about, you know, sending their horse off to yearling training for racing and then starting them right when they turn two. And I'm just like cringing, like, oh gosh, I really respect you, but why? (laughs) Yeah, that's unfortunate, but that is just the way it is right now. I hope there's some change, but I don't see it anytime soon. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's just really hard to make that change when there's you know so much money in the industry especially in racing I think there's a lot of money in racing I've heard from professionals in other disciplines like in eventing and things like that that there's not really a ton of money in that sport like obviously rich people tend to be in that sport and you can you know you're, you're kind of dealing with expensive horses and you know expensive things like that but in general you're not going to most likely make millions from that as a rider you know maybe if you're the person who's owning the horse maybe you can make more money I'm not sure but um, I think in those areas there's a lot less of a potential to make so much money as there is in racing so I think racing is a big area where that's going to be really tough to change yeah I think so too and I think like we said before competition is probably possible to an extent with positive reinforcement nothing upper level or crazy like that but I don't think it's so much the competition that's bad. I think it's more like how society views horses because we expect them to be these amazing athletes that carry us around on, on, on their backs and do these crazy unnatural things. And that's not why most people get into horses, but that usually ends up becoming their mindset is that they are just for riding. So for competition to change, I think the equestrian world as a whole has to change, not just competition. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I agree because we definitely see a lot of horrible things happening outside of competition. And so it's clearly not a problem related just to competition, but it's this kind of overall 
view that we have on horses in our society, like you said. And I think competition can make that worse when there is money riding on it or even just personal ego. But obviously, personal ego is an element in non-competition settings as well, just peer pressure and you know, having the personal belief that the horse has to listen to everything you say and all those things. And I think an element of it probably stems from fear because horses are such big, strong animals, even though they're very peaceful. And when you're doing a potentially dangerous thing with them, you want to have as much control as possible for your own safety. And personally, I don't think that's the right way of looking at it because if you have a willing partner, that's going to actually end up having a less of a a likelihood of you know the horse blowing up quote-unquote or you know doing some type of dangerous behavior because if they're staying below threshold and they're doing what they're doing willingly then they're you know a lot less likely to do some sort of dangerous behavior and I did see a study on this as well which I wish I had the data for and everything I like I know all these studies but I just like don't have them pulled up but I do that it was talking to yeah (laughs) Yeah, it's just, there's so many good studies, but this one was talking about basically how the use of positive reinforcement versus negative reinforcement didn't actually affect the the speed at which the horse would learn. They learned equally well from, you know, a good trainer who's doing positive reinforcement versus a good trainer who's doing negative reinforcement, but actually it was safer for the trainer when they were doing positive reinforcement because instead of being in a state of like moving away from things and potentially a little bit of stress and fear. I mean, obviously if you're doing negative reinforcement really subtly and well, there shouldn't be, you know, high levels of fear and stress, but obviously, you know, moving away from something uncomfortable is going to be a different emotion for the horse than doing something to get a reward. So um, I think, you know, in this study, they found that that positive reinforcement did lead to a safer experience for the trainer. So I think that's another thing too, is that maybe we can make competition a little safer, even if we have to decrease the level of jumps we're doing or whatever, maybe we can make it safer and healthier for both the human and the horse by implementing more elements of positive reinforcement. It's all anecdotal, but with Wonder, when I first got him, he was very flighty. He was terrified of everything. There was one time I was riding him and a barn cat came in the arena and he nearly bucked me off because he got so scared of a cat. <laughs> so it's like the oh smallest things, <laughs> the smallest things can stress a horse out if they're already above threshold and it can bring them over the edge. But I've seen the opposite happening now that he's trained with positive reinforcement. Not many things really scare him that much. Yeah, that's really interesting. And that's really awesome that you're seeing those effects. I feel like I kind of have seen a similar thing. Like maybe not less fear, but I found that my horses are getting a lot more curious about just different objects and weird things like that, because I've tried to reinforce them for like approaching things that are new. And um, I was, yesterday I was planning on working on reintroducing Ren to the mounting block because I'm going to try to work on, you know, those behaviors that I have to, to do in order to start to eventually ride. So getting her used to the mounting block and all those sorts of things. So I brought that into the round pen and I actually didn't end up working with Ren, but Tiny came into the round pen and he was just sort of like messing with the mounting block and like, I don't know, looking at it and just like poking it with his nose and seeing what things he could do with it. And so I was just reinforcing him for any engagement he would do with that random object. And so 
it's like they start to see something as like, oh, this is an opportunity to see what this is and explore and get to, you know, learn something new. And then they get reinforced for that instead of seeing an object and being like, whoa, what is this scary thing? And what is this going to do to me now? I guess to end, did you find any challenges or competitions with positive reinforcement that you can enter with horses, whether it's online or in person? So, I mean, the big one that I've participated in and the only one that I've participated in is the Willing Equines show. And she has started, Adele has started doing two shows per year. And so basically there are certain patterns that you learn and you do the pattern and you just record it on your horse's best day or whenever you feel like it and you submit it. And then um, Adele judges it and also another outside trainer judges it. And it was really, really interesting and cool to get the scores back because it was like almost like a dressage test where they're giving you a score on each movement and they're giving you like a percentage of, you know, how well you did, I guess. And you can get individualized comments on each movement. So it was really useful for me with all three of my horses to get that feedback, both from Adele and from the outside trainer. So that was a really cool opportunity. It was really low stress, low pressure. And it was a really cool community where I felt like I was really excited to see the other people who were entering and what they were doing. And, you know, I also felt supported by them, even when I didn't score so well, like Tiny and I came in last in the class that we entered and I didn't feel, you know, judged or like I did bad. I still felt really good and really accomplished. And then Ren and I ended up doing pretty well and getting a ribbon. So that was cool as well. And there's some, you know, there, it's just a very positive community. So I'd highly recommend that for anybody who is in Adele's Academy. And, um, you know, if you're not in the academy, you can always take the foundation course, which is also a really cool course and be able to enter the academy. Obviously, that's not the only way to go. There's lots of great trainers and great programs out there. I know New Forest Norman is also doing a show right now. It's not like fully focused on positive reinforcement, but it is including certain things like there's one that's on bond, I think, and there's some that's on, I think, riding at liberty, things like that. So it's definitely open to positive reinforcement trainers and definitely things that you can do as a positive reinforcement trainer. So I think something like that is pretty cool. Um, I know you know a couple as well. So which ones do you know of? The first one that I always think of is from the Empowered Equine, or Equine, sorry, which is a rescue, but they have clicker challenges, which aren't competitions. You're not competing against anyone, but it's kind of completion based. So you would enter like the basic levels and then you'd move on as you progress. And it's really cheap to enter. I think the more basic ones are $5 and the more advanced are eight. And you can win ribbons and you get back a little scorecard and all that stuff, which is really cool. And then I think it's Steph K Equestrian who does the equine clicker show, but that's another one. And they're accepting entries right now. So that's something you could apply to whenever you feel like it. I think it's the first year they're doing it, but I'm not entirely sure. And wow, had, that's really cool. Yeah, I had another one, but I can't think of what it was. <laughs> I know <laughs> a lot of people that have horses and do clicker training do horse agility too, which is something we've talked about very briefly before, but that's something that you could look into as well. Yeah, those are all really good ones. And to add, like you said, it was a rescue, but I think the fee that you pay for the one with the challenges does go like the, the money that you pay goes to the rescue. So that is really cool as well. Like you can be kind of financially contributing to the rescue while you're doing the challenges. Yeah, they're a really good rescue and they're all positive reinforcement based. So that's awesome. 
Yeah, so I guess that is a good note to end on. There's some positive opportunities for people to get involved in competition with positive reinforcement or with New Forest Normans. You don't have to do positive reinforcement. I think that one might be closing very soon, though. So, you know, if it is something you're interested in, definitely check out her page now and get entered in that soon before it closes. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Click, Treat, Repeat. Feel free to check us out on Instagram at Click, Treat, Repeat Pod. You can find Jen at Genuine Equine and myself at Bonafide.bt. We upload new episodes every Monday and hope to see you then. Happy training! <laughs>